Welcome, welcome. Welcome to this fitness and wellness journey podcast with me, Shalane McLaughlin. I'm an Alpha Master Instructor and Fitness Conference presenter. Every day is a step in your journey, and I'm so glad you're taking steps with me today. Get links to view this podcast on YouTube and more at getfit.shalanefit.com. All right, today we're going to talk about insomnia. So sleep is crucial to our health and wellness. Some, we're going to have some surprising facts and maybe not so surprising facts. We're going to talk about some common causes of insomnia and lack of sleep, when these disruptions happen, and then tips about how to fight those. Does that sound good? Everybody's good? Excited? We're currently seeing my videos on YouTube. You just sign in and then click the subscribe, and I would really, really appreciate it because I need to get 100 people. Otherwise, I can't change this URL. Okay. Let's go to our first poll. Ready to join the quiz? If you are on the Slido, you can answer it. If not, you don't have to answer it. But according to the National Sleep Foundation, what is the most common sleep disorder in the United States? Are you guys guessing? This is a gimme. You guys should know which one it is. We know, as you've guessed, insomnia is the most common uh, sleep disorder in the United States. Now, it's not just uh, difficulty falling asleep, but it's also difficulty returning to sleep and difficulty staying asleep. So those are multiple things that we um, have to address, not just the one. Okay. It is also a rising epidemic. Um, it is over 60 million people um, have, they, they estimate, have insomnia. Actually, uh, 22 million people have sleep apnea, 12 million have restless leg syndrome, 3 million REM disorder, and then point, only 0.2 million have narcolepsy. So over 50% of adults. Okay. So now this is also a helpful one for you. What is the approximate number of people affected by insomnia? You guys are doing amazing. Yes. So that's according to the National Sleep Foundation. But NPR and the National Health Institute roughly estimate 60 million. Of, or 18% of the United States population um, versus the National Sleep Foundation's like 12% of the population. So let's see. The third question would be, insomnia is associated with, with which of these symptoms? guys guessing oops
It is actually all of them. Correct. So we are, we have how many of these affect you? So look at those. There are additional factors as well, but um, we, uh, we are saying that excessive drowsiness, lack of energy, anxiety, anxiety irritability, difficulties with learning tasks, those are all common symptoms in addition to the typical ones of just getting up in the middle of the night and then not being able to fall back to sleep. Um, I meant to tell you earlier that UPenn did a study in 2018 that one in four Americans develop insomnia each year, and then 75% of them recover, but 25% of them don't recover. So that actually is a, a rather significant amount. And 33% uh, of people told by the National Sleep Foundation reported that they had at least one of the symptoms every night or almost every night in the past year. So this is, this is something that is kind of interesting. And the other thing that I found interesting was that insomnia sufferers tend to have a higher level of education. So according to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, if you have over a college degree, you tend to be more likely to have insomnia. Okay. The symptoms of insomnia that we were talking about uh, could be fatigue, poor concentration, impaired performance. We'll talk about that later too. Chronic pain, headaches, behavioral problems, nausea. Um, sometimes it's a cycle, so these these uh, symptoms cause you to have insomnia, and then some of them, the symptoms, you know, are caused by insomnia too. So it's one of those can't win kind of things. Okay, so when is insomnia considered chronic? Everybody, we guessing? Oops, I did that wrong. Here we go. It is if you are more than three times a week and more than three months, you're considered chronically insomniac. So that actually happens to a lot more people than we think. Now I'm, I'm, now I'm saying, oh, I was just thinking, oh yeah, I have insomnia every so often. But when I saw this fact, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm considered a chronic insomniac because more than three times a week and for more than three months, I've slept less than seven hours. So let's see. Of the 329 American, I mean, sorry, ignore the American part. So the three forms of insomnia, insomnia is transient. So that's only brief periods of poor sleep, perhaps one or two nights here and there. The acute one is what happens when we have persistent sleep problems that ask, last for more than three weeks. 
And then once it happens three times per week over three months, then it's considered chronic. Are you guys getting the lawnmower or you're good? No? You're missing my neighbor, Mr. Johnson. He's, he's naked. He wears no shirt and he mows the lawn. And he used to always do this on Tuesdays, but somehow he switched to Wednesday this or Friday this week. So we're so lucky. Um, luckily, you guys don't have video of him. So that's otherwise it might be a different kind of show. All right, so who has a higher rate of insomnia? It actually is women and seniors. We wanna think that it's teenagers, that they don't sleep a lot, but it actually is women and seniors, and it's by a larger percent. So I told you earlier, nearly 50% of adults over six, uh, over 50% of Americans suffer from insomnia. 63% of women versus 54% of men experience insomnia for at least a few nights per week. 68% um, of adults um, aged 18 to 29 reported, reported having experienced this. But, and then also parents report that ones with children in the household versus ones that don't have children in the household also are more likely to be insomnia. Now let's have some, I, I did wonder about the kids because that actually was wondering, you know, so CDC actually does say that teens do um, need more sleep and that they don't get enough. All right, so let's get to some key facts about insomnia. So uh, a study by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine says that insomnia costs the US economy annually $63 billion. But Forbes in 2018 said that it cost the U.S. over $411 billion. So that would be, you know, in addition to the loss of production at work, it could be a car accident. Car accidents is a huge um, factor of deaths during motor vehicle crashes. And, uh, Almost 20% of all car crashes and injuries are linked with sleep deprivation and sleepiness. So we talked about sleep deprivation on our first webinar, and if you didn't catch it, do that later because it tells you, you know, what are the signs if you're sleep deprived and um, when to exercise and things like that. Now the other thing is almost 80% of women experience insomnia during pregnancy. So and then approximately 40 to 50% during menopause. I am a part of that, I mean, like, <laughs> part of this thing. Um, and then roughly 27% of working women suffer from insomnia compared to 20% of working men. So that's kind of interesting. Now some other facts um, is that 
95% of people admit to using some sort of electronic device within 60 minutes of bedtime, according to the National uh, Sleep Foundation. So that's another kind of interesting fact. All right, so let's talk about the three Ps really quickly. So there's predisposition, as a biological trait, gender, age, or psychologic trait, that's through your DNA, that can cause it or not cause it. There are precipitating factors like stressful events, medical illness, depression, and anxiety. And then you have these perpetrating factors that are your habits and, and sleep hygiene. So that's like how your room is set up and all those types of things. So your genetic makeup is only responsible for part, let's see, let's see for factors. So for here, like this part of chronic insomniac, insomnias, um, according to Sleep On It Canada, says that only part of it is based on your genetic makeup. And then this part of it is things like your stress, whereas if you're only partially insomnia, you have acute, so that's only less than three months. These are all based on some outstanding factors. But then you see how large of a percentage trading factors. Those are your, your, your habits that can cause chronic insomnia. So those are things that we actually have control over versus things that we don't have control over like stressful life, life events and our genetic makeup. So we actually do have a lot of things that we can do to help ourselves go back to sleep. All right. So we talked about earlier, you know, yes, it's difficult holding difficulty falling asleep, difficult returning to sleep, and difficulty staying asleep, right? So I thought about it of the when we have these cases of being interrupted. So the first part is before we go to bed and we have a hard time going to bed. Then the second one would be we wake up in the middle of the night and then we can't go back to sleep. And then when we are waking up too early and we can't go back to sleep. So then those are the three reasons why we don't get enough sleep during the, each day, right? So let's address each of those and the causes. So some causes that we can't, that, uh, that um, we can't get to sleep is diet. Diet is a big one. So um, there's a study that says that if you eat a lot of refined carbs, for example, like white bread and whole grains and products with a lot of added sugar, that makes insomnia worse. So don't eat sweets late at night. And it's hard because you want to get that dessert after dinner. But those can um, factor in. Also, we're going to talk about this later, but when you eat can also factor in. Smokers tend to have a harder time um, 
2019 survey of more than 26,000 people found that smokers report more disturbed sleep than non-smokers. Uh, anxiety, stress, depression, that seems very um, easy to figure out like why, because a lot of things are on your mind and you just can't quiet your mind to go, go to bed. There's another thing that we might not have to consider that we talked about, mentioned earlier, is light pollution. So of the 95% of the people who admit to using their cell phone or some sort of electronic device before bed, your body is still getting exposed to this blue light and artificial light, which can keep you up. So there was a study in 2018 in the journal, the study was published in the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine um, high exposure to bright artificial outdoor lights, blue lights during the night can also result in sleeplessness for older adults. So especially if you're older, this is an issue. They said that the more light the people were exposed to at night, the more they seemed to turn to medication to, turn, to help them sleep. And the people, it also made them take these drugs for longer and higher doses than people who were not exposed to nighttime light. So this study was in, done in Korea over, I wanna say like 15 years. It, it was a big study and it was like 60,000 people. So it's a really good study versus like an informal poll by the National Sleep Foundation. So this was actually a, a good one. There's also medical reasons why people can't go to sleep. So some of those are Things like um, you're taking medications and stimulants like alcohol, antidepressants, beta blockers, so diuretics, um, colds and allergy medications. So all those type of things can help cap or hinder. All right. So we talked about not being able to go to sleep. Now let's talk about waking or actually so if we talked about these earlier. Yes, sorry, Beverly. Like if you, can you go back to the prior slide? Uh-huh. So when you talk about these items, are there things that, like let's just take caffeine, for example, because that's a, a mm -hmm. really common one. Is there an amount of time that you yes. leave before having caffeine? Yes. So and we talked about this on the the last seminar in greater detail and this next um, screen, uh, sorry, slide, tells out um, you basically. Okay, good. So thank you. It definitely was the tie-in that I didn't tie in. <laughs> but So we were trying to cut out caffeine before bed. And so uh, they're saying after four o'clock. So after 4 p.m. or if you have a caffeine sensitivity, it should be earlier. So like my daughter and I, we've realized that we have a very strong caffeine um, sensitivity. So we have been switching to decaf and then we only drink it before noon. So if it's afternoon, I just try not to do it. Um, we did talk about all of these in detail on the last seminar. So I don't wanna go over it too much, but Creating a sleep sanctuary is important. Relying on a routine, setting a sleep schedule, um, 
not being frustrated, avoid watching the clock, um, eating with your circadian rhythm, avoiding nighttime workouts, balancing your hydration, and nap early and keep it short are all good forms of helping you go to sleep. The other thing you can do is yoga poses before you go into bed, which might help you. And you can actually do some of these in bed, seated, instead of bending your knees. If you have knee issues, um, you don't have to sit on your knees like that. You can sit just on your bed and practice a lot of these because this will help you stretch out your lower back to, pre to prepare it for being in this prone position that doesn't move for the, for the night, basically. All right, so now let's talk about waking up in the middle of the night. Some of our favorite ones, right? Um, nocturia is, um, is something that happens to a lot of people and studies have found out that basically 69% of men and 76% of women over the age of 40 report getting up in the middle of the night and going to the bathroom at least once. That's a lot, that's a significant number. Um, about a third of adults over the age of 30 make more than two trips and nearly 50% of men in their 70s have to wake up at least twice per night. And this may affect up to 80% of elderly people. So this is um, something that is a very common, but does have some, some, does have some causes and does have some things that we can do about it. Okay. So some of the main causes is that you have a higher output. So if you're taking, if you have high blood pressure, I take my diuretic in the morning. So I don't, I don't take it at night. I take it first thing in the morning when I get up after I have a big cup of water. So then I can try to pass out water throughout the day. Um, it can cause things like alcohol, caffeine to increase the amount of um, urine that you, you have to um, produce. And also, it could be a function of just drinking too much at night, or diabetes, or poor kidney function. So a lot of people just, we talked about hydration, and everybody wanted to stay hydrated, but we really do need to limit our, if you're waking up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom, then you have to limit the amount of fluids before bed. Um, decreased bladder capacity and increased urinary frequency. A very common cause is UTIs. They also can occur to people with an enlarged prostate um, um, and overactive bladders. So that does happen. And then sleep disruptions is another cause. So it's another cyclical one where you're disrupted in your sleep by obstructive sleep apnea. That's the most common one where you wake up because you, you, you are not, your breathing is blocked. So nocturia happens in about 50% of people with sleep apnea. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle where you wake up and then you realize, oh, I do have to go to the bathroom. And then you get up and go to the bathroom. So whereas if you were sleeping, then your body would just kind of hold it and you wouldn't go to the bathroom. 
so the interesting thing to note was that there was a study in 2019 in Australia that said you're supposed to treat insomnia before you treat your sleep apnea. So that's kind of neat because they're saying that that may be more of a cause um, and more of a detriment. So let's see. We have all of these things. 80% of, uh, of elderly people have it. What do we do, right? These are some tips to reduce it. So we have to, the first one is reduce evening fluid intake, especially before bed. So load up on your water first thing in the morning and throughout the day and then come eight o'clock, take it easy. We did the thing with the hydration and it's to do a pinch test. So take your uh, hand and then pinch your little skin right here. And if it goes back immediately, then you are hydrated. But if it stays up and you see a little crease for a couple of seconds, then you need to drink more water. Beverly's not convinced. <laughs> Just drink more water, Beverly. <laughs> yes. All right. Decreasing the consumption of alcohol and ca caffeine after four. This is an interesting one. Elevating your legs an hour or more before bed. So don't do this in bed, but do this outside of bed when you're sitting and watching TV or reading. Keep your feet elevated. So elevating in your um, legs will reduce the reabsorption and conversion of um, peripheral edema to reduce the need to go to the bathroom during the middle of the night. So it'll reduce the amount that you have to urinate. Um, focusing on having a consistent sleep schedule. So waking up and going to bed at the same time on weekdays and weekends is very helpful for us to, to maintain uh, good sleep habits. Having a nice routine for bedtime, even if you don't have one now, maybe you can create one and do all of these steps every single day before you go to bed so that you train yourself to go to bed. This is next, right? Um, another one that we can do is to have relaxation techniques to help you fall back asleep. And you can do this, I'm sending out the link during our fitness challenge, to learn and repeat a prayer, a mantra, or affirmation. So, you know, you can either say a prayer or go look up a mantra or affirmation, and I did provide a couple of links to help you get some ideas. And you can do whatever you want, whatever feels good to you. The other thing that you can do when you're doing that is you can either say it out loud or say it in your head, but really have the words resonate in, in you with those things that you're saying. So really focusing on the words and the sound of those words can help you go back to sleep. Um, another thing that you can do is to put your hand on your on your heart and a hand on your belly. And that is very comforting as well. So if you're laying down and you put your hand on your heart and your hand on your belly and you say those sleep affirmations or do breathing techniques, that would be uh, a, a really good way to practice. Another thing that you can do is work on your breathing. So we can do this right now. We're gonna breathe in for four and count 
in our heads. We're gonna hold for seven and then exhale for eight, counting backwards, all right? So with me, inhale for four, three, two, one, hold it, six, five, four, three, two, one, and exhale, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. So we can just keep doing that in bed and that can help us go back to sleep or go to sleep. So all of these will work for helping us go to sleep in addition to going back to sleep. Um, getting daily exercise. That's a good one because if you exercise every day, it will help you have deeper sleep. And we talked about that in our last webinar. So checking your bed and your areas around uh, your bed to make sure everything is comfortable. So having a really good mattress. I actually um, bought a mattress foam cover, a mattress pad, a foam mattress pad during Black Friday last year. And it was one of the best things I bought. Um, it was pretty funny because during quarantine, my, my husband's coworker had, had tested positive. So um, Chris was kind of self-quarantining in the bedroom. He would come in the front door and then go into the bedroom and then we'd close the door and then, you know, I'd like put food in front of the door and he would eat and then he would go out to, you know, he would work from home and all this kind of stuff, but he basically stayed in the bedroom. And so I actually pulled the mattress pad cover over and put it on the, our futon couch, which is not that comfortable. And I slept on that for two weeks and it was really comfortable. All the kids were fighting me over it. And then we had to buy my Jenna a mattress pad cover too. So that might be a really good investment. They're pretty cheap on Amazon and it might be a good investment. So having the proper pillow, we talked about that last time with having the right heights. We didn't, we're not gonna talk about it today, but pillow height can be very important and sleep position and your bedding. So that make sure your bedding is comfortable, it's not bothering you and that it smells nice, right? So the other thing um, we wanna do is make sure our bedroom has minimal lights and noise, be cool, that would help you go to sleep and also smelling nice. So that might be very helpful too. I currently use, I, I'm not getting endorsed by any of these, but um, I do happen to like this one. It's called Radha, oops, uh, lavender oil. And it's a nice big bottle. You get it on Amazon and it was something like $15 and it was very well worth it. Um, the lavender oils are, and essential oils are a mixed bag so you can get some that smell very um, chemically and then some that smell better so it's not just always a function of price but it, sometimes price does make a difference but I did find that this one was very good for the price I also use this in my sanitizer I mix it with sanitizer you can mix it um, just in a spray bottle with um, you know like distilled water and you can spray it in your room for a very cheap spray, or you can put it in um, something like a oil diffuser where you put water in it, and uh, that's very helpful. 
So that could be part of your nighttime routine. You can also make yourself a little mix or buy a mix um, that has an oil base in it that'll help you sleep. And so the mix that I have at, at home at night is lavender, sage, chamomile, bergamot, and then I use a coconut oil base, but it's mostly lavender. And so what oh, you can do- oh, Can you yes? give that brand name again? Cause I'm trying to look it up, but I it's can't find R -A -D -H -A. it. It's R-A-D-H-A. Oh, R-A. R-A-D-H-A. And um, they are ranked as one of the better uh, ones, popular ones on Amazon for oil. So I looked at a bunch of them. I ordered a couple of different brands. Okay, that one I really like for the price. So there are definitely better ones out there, but I found that that one worked pretty well. So um, if you make a little blend of oil, you can just keep it next to your bedside and then put it a little on your wrist, rub it, rub it on your temples, or rub it on your temples this way. Um, you can rub it under your chin and and, and if you're really liking it, you can rub it under your nose, but only if you're using a carrier oil. So don't rub it directly. So certain parts of your body, certain skin's portions are, are more sensitive than others. So you don't want to rub the essential oils directly on there without using a carrier base. All right. Talk a whole another hour or two on <laughs> oils, but we're not going to. Um, we were talking about this earlier, limiting the use of electronic devices and using blue light reading glasses. So uh, Jenna actually also had me order her blue light reading glasses. Even though she doesn't need glasses, she is wearing just readers that are plain with no magnification that just block blue light. Um, the other thing we can do is work with a doctor on any of your medical issues, and that is always important to speak to your healthcare provider before doing anything drastic or taking any sort of supplements, okay? Um, and then the last thing is, Nocturia has, if, especially as you get older, you can lose your balance. And if you're walking around in the dark, it can be a problem where a lot of people have fallen and, and had serious falls. So we wanna make sure we limit that by maybe having some motion activated, low wattage lighting to walk safely from the bathroom to, to your bed and cleaning the path so that you don't have any things to tripping uh, hazards, things that you can trip over. So that um, there's a, a lot of different options ranging in price you can go to five and below and get a little strip of light that is plug in. You plug it in a USB and you plug it into an outlet and it, it's motion censored and it's $5. Or you can do something very expensive like home control, which my husband does. And you can automate your house so that the light setting, you have a night light setting and you push that when you walk in instead of hitting an all on because then all of a sudden, all the bright lights make you go, you know, wide awake. You want to have a, a nightlight function that, that turns on at 15% or 20%, depending on your light fixtures. So that might be another option to do. Okay. Lastly, let's talk about circadian rhythms. 
that this is an issue for people who um, wake up too early and can't go back to sleep. So I know, Suze, this is something maybe of a concern for you, right? Um, so what happens is the sunlight goes into our eyes and it causes us to be more alert. And if we have a good, healthy rhythm, it gives us better sleep and it gives us better functionality for our heart and digestion and all sorts of immunity, all sorts of other benefits. So we can talk about that another hour, which I'm not going to <laughs> right now today. But basically, it's, a, it's um, our body's response to light in a 24-hour cycle. So over the course of 24 hours, our body typically tends to grow in energy and drop in energy throughout the day. We have a couple of variables where um, things happen in terms of, let's say 5 p.m. It's our greatest, greatest cardiovascular and skeletal muscle strength time. Um, the peak in your body temperature and blood pressure is at 7 p.m. to prepare you to go to sleep. Um, so your melatonin starts secreting at 9 p.m. And then we have our REM cycles. So your deepest sleep cycle is at 2 a.m. And um, then your body starts producing cortisol again at 6. And then your insulin's secreting. So hopefully when you're eating, it's secreting with your meal and then you're the most alert. So we have this rhythm naturally. Birds have this, animals have this, and it's part of our, our, our natural um, body. However, it doesn't just operate by itself in a vacuum. We have a lot of variables that we can control, such as light and mealtime. So those are our two main things that we can actually do to change our rhythm and modify it. So we're gonna talk about it very little. But basically, we've all done this before when we traveled across multiple time zones. So like when I went to Asia, I forced myself to stay up to be in the Asian time zone. And that doesn't work for everybody, but for me, because I traveled a lot, it worked because the next day I just was exhausted and I went right into the time zone. But if you didn't force yourself to do that, you would realize like when the kids were little and we would go to Hawaii, they would wake up the first, day, first night in Hawaii at 3 a.m. every single time. And then the second time they would wake up, the second day they would wake up at 4 a.m., third day would be you know 5 a.m. So every day they would wake up an extra hour later to catch up to the time cycle. So within a week, usually your body would automatically adjust to the amount of light and the times that you eat. So traveling probably isn't the reason that you're currently wanting to change your rhythm right now because nobody's traveling, but maybe, you know, we've been slugs and sleeping in late or we, uh, the kids need to go to school and we need to be up to make sure they're up for school or we want to sign up for an earlier gym class or we just want to get up so that we can beat the heat and exercise in the morning and walk in the morning before it gets too hot 
So we can do things to shift it. So let's talk about that very briefly. The biggest thing that we can do to shift our time, our rhythm is light, the amount of light and the lack thereof. So when it's dark outside, your brain naturally signals your body to go to sleep and release melatonin. Now when it's light outside, your brain sends the signal to cut off the melatonin and to make you feel more awake. So what we can do is to dim the lights in your house, like dim every single light that you can around you an hour or two before bedtime to signal yourself that it's time to go to sleep. And also in the middle of the night when you wake up, don't turn on all the lights, just to make sure it's the bare minimum of lights and don't flash it in your eyes, flash it away from you. So if you're using your cell phone or something to light the way to the bathroom, point it down away from your face. The other thing we can do is if you have a dark room, um, I'm sorry, you want to make sure that your room is also dark so that when you're waking up is the time that you're getting light. So if you're getting too much early morning light into your bedroom, think about getting um, night, you know, blackout shades to make sure that when you're sleeping that the crack of light in between the shade doesn't hit you in your eye. You know, like set up all of your rooms so that you can get nice interrupted, uninterrupted sleep. So for me, at night we have um, this automated house. So there's little lights all around on our our keypads and stuff like that. So it was actually going around and making sure that those were turned off so that they weren't flashing in my eyes when I was sleeping. So it could be, you know, all sorts of things that you have a night light or anything like that that could be disrupting you. So you can have the light. It's just not maybe bright as you are sleeping where, where your eyes are looking. So then the other thing is we want to wake up as fast as possible when we get up in the morning. And so to do that, we have to, when we get up, turn on every single light or make it as bright as possible. So it's like opening your drapes and turning on all the lights in the bathroom and that'll help you feel awake much, much faster instead of drinking 20 cups of coffee. Blonde roast. Um, the other thing we can do is check the amount of light that we get <laughs> during the week, during the day. I see you, Suze. So during the day, if you're sitting somewhere dark, if you're sitting, your house is very dark and you don't get a lot of natural light or regular light, you might not get enough light for your body during the day to make you stay awake. So, or, or currently in Florida, a lot of days are really overcast, like yesterday was totally overcast and, and gloomy, so there was no sun. Um, so it's nice to have a nice bright lights during the day to help you stay awake during the day so that you can then turn them off and go to bed at night. The other thing that we can do that we have control over is when we eat our foods. So if you shift your breakfast, lunches, and dinners to later in the day, this will also move your body's internal clock back. So like the Europeans, hi, what's up, Angelo? 
Um, that'll move like if you do the European way of eating dinner. Hi, Angelo. Hey, once in a while, you know, I can't, as a fellow Cornelian, I feel like I have to photobomb Beverly. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yes. Okay, see you later. Take care. Go back to work. All right. So um, we also can check our exercise routine. That is another way that we can move our rhythms back. So you want to hit the gym. Um, if you go to the gym in the evening instead of the morning, that can also shift your rhythm. So for me, I can't exercise high energy classes too late. So if you want to do something like yoga or cardio training, that's okay. Five o'clock is actually the peak hour for your body to be using weights. So that's actually really good. But you don't want to do really high energy cardio where you're all jazzed up and pumped out doing kickboxing or doing Zumba and then not being able to go to bed. So if you start tracking that those types of things and seeing when you can't go to sleep, maybe see if you can find a cycle. So the last thing to note is whatever strategy you decide to follow, try it's best to make the in, um, changes in 15 minute increments. So you wanna move it 15 minutes earlier or later at a time and not just make huge drastic changes. So that will help your body the most. The other question that I was getting, Lenore was mentioning this to me, and I just found that very fascinating, that um, sleep is not the same for men and women. So our clocks tend to run different and not synced. So that's kind of interesting. Men tend to have a truer 24-hour cycle, um, and women tend to have a little shorter cycle. So that makes men um, less tired in the evening, and it makes women more likely to wake up earlier. So, and it also makes women have an increased um, chance of waking up during sleep disturbances. So when eight hours per night is our typical sleep ideal for both genders, it turns out that men are hit harder by periods of sleep deprivation. So sleep deprivation causes work performance to suffer more for men than they do for women. And men also recover less quickly from lack of sleep than women do. So it's kind of interesting. Um, on the other hand, the women's shorter cycles mean that they are likely to have a dip in energy at night which is why it could explain that there's an increased risk of work-related injuries in female shift workers. So, kind of neat. So basic end of the story um, thing is that if you leave our body to our own natural devices, men typically will be more of a night owl and women more typically will be an, uh, an early bird. Not always true, but it's uh, for our gender. Finally, um, if you are still having issues sleeping, please do not hesitate to speak to your doctor. This does not seem like a big medical condition, but if you're not sleeping well more than three nights a week for more than three months, talk to a professional. 
um, this is something that will affect your health drastically in the long term. So we want to get on top of this. You know, obviously try all of the things, the tips that we mentioned and the things that we can do at home, but it, it is something to discuss with your medical professional at your annual physical. All right, so today we talked about some facts, when these disruptions happen, before, during, after sleep, causes some tips. Let me hear from you. What are your favorite takeaways? So this is a little blurb from the National Sleep Foundation that kind of covered a lot of the things that we talked about. Go ahead, tell me. Let me un go ahead and unmute yourself and let me know what you think. Elaine, I'll talk. I, yes. I thought it was interesting what you were talking about uh, regarding, you know, when you, when the circadian rhythm um, is best for certain things. Like I didn't realize that eating caused something to happen that changed your circadian rhythm. Or also when you were talking about if you want to make a change in your schedule, don't make it all at once, do it in 15 minute increments so the body gets used to it. You know, I, I, nice. I, guess, I, I guess I didn't think so much about the fact that the body is so affected um, by behavioral changes like that. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I'll- but Basically I'll say, that's what we're doing when we travel. We, we yeah. automatically have to eat different times and then have different times of amount of light. So that's, that's how yeah. our body naturally adjusts to it. Yeah, I mean, for me, light definitely affects me when I sleep. So I sleep with a sleep mask um, over my eyes. Uh, otherwise, I, I literally can't get to sleep without it. So I, at least I'm, I'm trying to manage the light part. <laughs> anyway. I actually do. Um, I bought three sleep masks and I gave one to, you know, both my girls and then I use one for myself. Um, Chris actually sleeps very early. so. He goes to bed at like 8.30, 9 o'clock, he's in bed, he's, he's done and out for the count, and then he wakes up very early. He wakes up at like 5 o'clock in the morning. So he doesn't have a problem with that because he actually is on the right schedule, and then the kids and I are not. So I, I, did, I did get a sleep mask. I, that was something that I should have mentioned uh, in the list. So thank you very much, Beverly. That was I'm gonna try that, that I used. I'm going to try the oil uh, thing, the lavender okay. oil. The lavender oil is very nice. It's it's nice as um, maybe part of your ritual. So like doing certain things to kind of every single time to try to get yourself to go to sleep. And it is another thing that you can do mindfully and help kind of take your mind off other things. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, what about you, Dor? Well, I discovered so because I have a lot of sleep problems that um, if I have a dinner that is very salad oriented and not starch oriented, then I really do wake up a couple times because the water I drink for dinner, whatever I drink, isn't assorbed into the food. And so I, that could be it. Yeah. So I try to watch um, how much I drink when I drink eat salad type dinners. Not that the dinner is completely salad, but I tend to eat a lot of vegetables and salad with a protein. So certain things digest um, faster and slower. 
and carbs do tend to take longer to digest. Um, but also we have to be uh, careful with the carb consumption because if it's not like, um, if, if you're talking about just like breads and sugars, that actually causes insulin spikes and that well, can wake you up. I know. So I, I try not to eat desserts and I don't, we don't eat bread. So <laughs> I'm trying to get yeah. around. But, I eat uh, bread at but, maybe. But maybe like instead of um, raw salads, like cooking, like having vegetables are better in terms of eating dinner wise. So there's oh, no, a lot of salad. This salad is extra. It's not my main meal. It's just, I love salads. <laughs> Well, that's good thing. That's a lot of people don't like salads, so that's a big problem for them. Like they can't just eat salads. That's good. Well, my problem, anything? My problem is when yes, I get in, my problem is when I get in bed, and this is even when I was teaching, I would do all my plans for the next day. Mm. I tend to do. So all your my head plans. is going. Yeah. So maybe instead of doing that, uh, one of the things that we talked about in our last session was going to bed only for sleep. So don't sit in bed and read, don't sit in bed and watch TV. Um, Cause then this way you're, you're telling your body that when I go to this place, I'm going to go to sleep. So it's like, you know, when I train my dog that when he rings the bell, he has to go outside and go to the bathroom. So then if he yeah, just rings the bell and goes outside, then it's, it's not gonna be good for us. <laughs> He's been sitting there dinging the bell all day. <laughs> What about anything, Suze, you guys? Um, I, I found that um, having it dark, going to bed, uh, was really helpful. Um, except my husband likes to watch TV and he'll fall asleep with the TV on and then it's flickering all night. And then, so that's been driving me crazy. But I think I, I'm, I, think I have a sleep mask, I might try. Yes, the other that. thing is to make sure Anthony puts on that sleep timer. <laughs> so it's like after 30 minutes or an hour, the sleep turns off. So get that sleep timer going for your TV because they have them. Um, and that, because what happens is when you have, let's say, um, if you're more sensitive to light, which, you know, we can be, if the screen changes from like something that's dark to something that's light and then all of a sudden you get that big flash of light that'll yep. <laughs> you know wake you up or a flash like a sound even if it's on low if it's low and then all of a sudden there's a spike in sound that can wake you up too so yeah that definitely can cause disruptions have you considered taking the tv out of the bedroom i don't have a tv in my bedroom here <laughs> we just put it in uh, a while ago and i'm fine with it and uh, but when he got here, <laughs> it changed, it all changed. He likes having it on. It just helps him fall asleep. But for me, it's just disruptive. It can help you fall asleep because it's kind of like takes your mind off of things and you're doing something else. Yeah. But it can also be disruptive by causing you to wake up in the middle yeah. of the night. So <laughs> it's not, it's not a, it's a tool, right? So you right. just want to make sure that you put the tool away when you're done so maybe the thing is it's the other thing with sleep is 
very quickly is setting your boundaries. So sleep is something that's very, very important and very personal to you. So don't feel bad to tell your significant other that this is something that you really need to have happen for you so that you can be healthy. Um, so it's not, it's maybe unreasonable to be like, well, you need to go to bed at a certain time or you need to do this for me, but, but something about what it is for you that you need for yourself. So like my husband, he gets up very early and he's, he loves talking to me first thing in the morning. <laughs> Meanwhile, I've just gone to bed at four because <laughs> I couldn't sleep <laughs> and I'm right in the middle of my REM, my, my deepest sleep cycle, and I, I wake up and I am disoriented. I have no idea what the hell he's talking about, let alone, you know, wanting to speak to him. And I'm so angry and frustrated and it just is a bad thing. So, you know, work out a, a system. If I'm wearing my sleep mask, don't wake me up, you know, or, or something. Like, think of a solution that you can flag them to be like, hey, you know, this is the sock on the door, don't come in kind of thing, you know? So be okay to say, look, I really need this. I need to work on getting seven hours of sleep per night. And this is not happening when this happens. So how can, what are some solutions that we can do together to solve that? That works for both of us. All right, let's stay with me. Um, I just want to Hopefully I achieved my goal to inspire you to prioritize your health and wellness. Follow shalanefit.eventbrite.com to be notified of our next live discussion. Slideshows, links, articles, and more at getfit.shalanefit.com. If you learned something new that helped you, please help me and subscribe to my channel or give me a like on this podcast. Thank you for joining me. Congratulations on taking a positive step forward on your fitness and wellness journey.